The show starts in one... Funding for Sundays on the East End comes from CP Complete Construction and Renovation, specializing in interior and exterior living spaces. CP Complete focuses on the end result throughout the entire process. Individualized attention sets their boutique construction company apart with a focused, inclusive, innovative, and personalized process from start to finish. CP Complete builds what you have imagined. Learn more at cpcomplete.com or 631-727-5741. Welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And we're here at 88.3 WPPB, Peconic Public Broadcasting, Long Island's only NPR station. And uh, we have a great guest today, thanks to you, Sock. Thank you. Yeah, well, um, I, I met David. It's David Nugent, who is the artistic director of the uh, Hamptons International Film Festival. Uh, I met uh, David when I moved out here a couple years ago, and, and was, uh, he was nice enough to invite me on to actually be a, a mentor and a tutor at their screenwriting lab uh, last spring. Um, so we're going to talk movies. We're going to talk uh, film festivals. We're going to you know, hopefully talk about uh, the Hamptons Film Festival and, and the direction it's going in and yeah. where it's been. And um, I think we're also just going to talk about the love of... Of movies. Well, we both have movies. Yeah, tell me about you, Bridget. Oh. Like you have, you have, you, 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 you are Hollywood royalty. Oh, I guess. I mean, um, well, well, my great grandfather is Harry Warner. Started Warner Brothers, and um, his uh, my my grandfather is Mervyn Leroy, who you know produced The Wizard of Oz and actually directed most of the Technicolor. And your dad was given Toto as his dog. Yeah, whose name was Terry. It was one of the nine Totos they used, and he always said he was a nasty little creature. And uh, my stepfather's Tony Walton, so I was brought up. You know, and you and I were just talking about that because I was brought up on movie sets, but they weren't the movie sets that people think because obviously, like, people ask me questions about The Wizard of Oz all the time, and it's like, well, if your grandfather had a job for 12 weeks 60 years ago, like, how much would you know about it? You know, right. it's like, but it is such a part of my But that goes to the pedigree. magic of movies, though, is that uh, the movies are these immortal dreams, that uh, collective dreams, that we, we all carry in our lives, and, and uh, we care more about, in many cases, than reality. So, um, well, it's a fantastic escape. It's the best escape is into the world of movies, because um, you get to see other people so, maybe so living I, that you want to so live. So my first time yeah, I was yeah, on a movie yeah. set, I, I got a, a job as a production assistant on World According to Garp. Do you, do you know the scene where the airplane flies through yes. the house? He I says, was, well, that's I, not going to happen again. I was three miles down the road stopping traffic. Were I was you? Like, I was like, welcome to show business. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Well, I remember being on the set of The Boyfriend. That was because Ken Russell's movie, That was which Tony designed the yeah. sets for. And that was amazing because there was a whole... Um, all I want is a room in Bloomsbury scene, which went into kind of this fantasy fairy world. And Tommy Toon was dressed as a fairy <laughs> with little, like an elf with these pointy shoes. And I was wow. tiny and he was big. Yeah, and he was a tall these, guy, right? Yeah, six, uh, as he used to say, 5'18 was how tall he was. So but funny. but it was, you know, my life was just movies were part of, part of my blood. And my father always told the story. And I told it at his funeral that the first time... Um, of him skipping down the yellow brick road and running into the scrim and according to my dad who had an art of for embellishing stories you know the whole set fell down and they had to stop filming for the day and he said that's when he learned the difference between fantasy and reality but 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 you also told a story about um your your great-grandparents or or about how the warner brothers about the window yeah 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 tell that story because that to me is kind of like we're talking about show business and we're talking about movies i come from a long line of shameless self-promoters which anyone who knows me knows because i'm on facebook like constantly posting pictures of myself so i can't help it it's in my blood but the, the Warner Brothers, when they got off the boat in Baltimore, they were cobblers. They were shoemakers, and, and they cobbled their money together, so to speak. And plate glass windows were a new thing at the turn of the last century. And they bought a plate glass window, and they were in this kind of Dickensian ghetto, you know, the down by the wharf. The and, best kind of ghettos, yeah, by the way, are Dickensian yeah, ghettos. Are Dickensian. <laughs> I, I, yes, I, I think so. And, uh, and they put a plate glass window, and they made the shoes in the window. That's how they got enough money to get into the Nickelodeon right, business. Right, so people saw the work. And so, again, it's the showing of the business. Yeah, exactly. Well, but talk about you. I mean, Sock, you, you were brought up in the movie business as well, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people I, don't know. Yeah, no, I, I had, well, first success. of all, I, I had such a unique childhood where um, both my folks, they met at TV Guide, uh, working at TV Guide in 1960 or so, 
and my mom stopped uh, working when the kids showed up, my sister and myself and my brother. She went back to work, and in, in about a five-year period, went from reading scripts part-time for Robert Stigwood to running the lit department of Warner Brothers on the East Coast. Right. And so as I was coming into my maturity, um, I just was exposed to a lot of uh, dinner table conversation about culture, about movies, about the books that were sold into movies, about watching the whole process um, through, through her efforts and, and her perspective. Um, but I, I would actually rather talk less about the business side and more about the emotional side. And right. that is movies have always, for me, uh, hit me deeper than just about any other art form. I have such distinct memories of going to see the movies. You know, um, and what, one of my greatest memories of my life is uh, my mom's mom, who I call Nanny, Isabel, uh, took me to the Zigfield Theater on 54th and 6th to see Modern Times. Back oh, when the boy. Zigfield Theater was decrepit and was just showing oldies. She also took me to see, like, uh, the Al Josen story and, and was it, who, who played out? And, uh, who Larry was the Parks. Uh, yeah, Larry Parks. And the Larry Parks thing. Like the, the yeah, Jolson sings again, where, where Larry Parks meets, where Jolson meets Larry Parks about to play him, and it was a split screen, and they were both Larry Parks. Right, and I was exactly, like, whoa, this exactly. mind blown. But, but, but she took me to see Modern Times, and I, I couldn't have been more than five or six years old. And That's I remember, Charlie Chaplin, I, for anyone I, who doesn't know. I remember going into the theater with her, how special it felt, how it was this cathedral, cathedral um, watching the movie, and afterwards, uh, having her say, you know, you laughed in all the right places and just how much that meant to me. Yeah. And why that's important is that then in the, in the late 80s, I go out to Los Angeles, I start my career. And my grandmother uh, was at the end of her life and she had uh, entered into a little senility and, and was in a, an a assisted living. And I hadn't had like a substantive conversation with her in about two or three years. It was the same conversation. Uh, and my last birthday of her life, mm -hmm. a, a poster tube shows up out in California, and it's a poster of Modern Times saying Happy Birthday. Oh, my gosh. So that must have been that's so meaningful. Me, right? That was like profound. That's, right. No, the crazy profound. And so I am so happy to have David on. Uh, I'm so happy to be talking about this because we can take it as this ubiquitous art form. We could take it as this marketing but thing. But it's right? pure but this is, gut. These are the moments and the memories that I think adds so much to everybody's life. It's and, so true. And, and, and you know, movies continue to blow my mind. I mean, we talk about the when we were kids, but, I mean, I'm thinking of movies uh, on the way here. I was thinking about movies that changed my life as an adult. Movies like Train Spotting mm, and great movie. Fight Club. I where I went, I like, how, Spotting. how did this movie get made? How did this... Right. I, I use Train what Spotting... What did the script look like without, for this? Without getting into the weeds too much, I use Train Spotting as, as a parent because, to me, that was a, a pro... Uh, you know, he chooses life at the end. He chooses to have a better life. And I, I use that Spoiler as, actually as, as, well, no, well, but <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, I'm parenting one of my kids and that's the lesson I want to give. Right. And then we watch the movie, we talk about the movie and stuff. So, um, but, but all if, the fantasy scenes, you know, of him shooting up and then falling back into the floor and the floor becoming soft and all of and and the same thing with um, those were fight, fight Club. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, with, with just that kind of strange twist ending where, where right. you just but the whole thing and you just go, oh, right. my God, like, how did this? And I'm as guilty as made. anybody else. I've, I've lived my life as a writer. I can never tell you who wrote the lines. But I can quote the lines, and they, I say they came from the movie, or they came from the actor or the actress, and it's really funny because they came from the invention of somebody, and most of the time it was the the writer whose name gets lost. And so, well, we're going to continue. Imagine, like you know, what's the first rule of Fight Club? And I guarantee you that that was written by the screenwriter. Yeah, not, you know, absolutely. But the other thing I want to talk about just briefly, yeah. and maybe it's like, is 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 movies out here on the East End? Right. You know, I, as a kid, I can remember going to the drive-in, which is now we're Bridgehampton Commons right. is and, and sneaking in by having a blanket put over me in like the, <laughs> back, in the back of the car seat. by the mother's helper uh, or our mother's helper. And I could also remember going to Southampton College and seeing Billy Jack. Uh, Do you remember what you saw at the, uh, I remember seeing 101 Dalmatians at, um, at the drive-in and, and then Emma and I immediately going home and pretending we were Pongo and I think we saw the Purdy love bug. Like, oh, I think, yeah. like Herbie and the Love For Bug, sure. you know, and but I going to see Jaws at Southampton's movie theater oh. and, and having my sister, who's a year older than me, literally almost draw blood on my leg. She was so scared. She was like, grab, you know. Yeah, I remember so seeing Jaws in the East I, I have such great uh, emotional memories of, of the movies I've watched out here and and which kind of leads us, I think, to the Hamptons International Film Festival. Right, which right. Is, and we have David Nugent, who's the artistic director on today. Absolutely. So I think that it'd be great to, to talk to him about his journey, about what's going on with the festival, and about how movies are still very alive and electric on the East End of Long Island.
That's a good place to take a pause. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. We'll be right back. 365 days a year, WPPB is working for you on the air and on our website. WPPB has a helpful community calendar on our site. Just go to 883WPPB.org to the community calendar tab and tell us about your activity or event. It's free, easy, and fast. WPPB is the voice of the community, 365 days a year, seven days a week, on the air and online. Spread the word about your community events. Go to 883WPPB.org. So we're back with Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. Here on 88.3 WPPB, you can listen to us anytime as well on... Uh, 88.3.com. No, no. <laughs> no. I'm staring at you to see if you, you can uh, do it without looking at the banner. It's 88.3WPPB.org. No. You can also uh, always make a donation. You know, this newfangled internet thing. I know. You, you'll get the hang of it, I promise, Sock. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're here with our guest, David Nugent, Artistic Director of the Hamptons International Film Festival. Welcome, 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 David. Good morning. Lovely to be here. Yeah, oh. thanks for coming out. Um, especially because, you know, I know you said you have a, a three-month-old at home so uh, yes. and, and a five-year-old, so you get your hands full. I do have my hands full indeed, yes. So let's start actually. Um, how, how, how long have you kind of cast a shadow on the East End? So, um, well, I got this job in 2007, in the summer of 2007, and um, I've been here ever since uh, working for the film festival. So I had been out here every summer for a weekend for the preceding uh, decade or so in West Hampton, where my aunt and uncle have a house and nice. loved it. Rarely got that far east of West Hampton, once or twice. Yeah. Um, and then I got this job in the summer of 2007, and now I've spent every fall uh, in on the East End for this 12 years or so. And That's I love great. it. Absolutely love it. And then we bought a house out here maybe six or seven years ago in 2011, um, and so, you know, we've been coming out a lot ever since. Every weekend we're out here. I live out here in the fall and a big part of the summer, and uh, we love being out here. That's, That's so fantastic. That yeah. is really great. And, and uh, you know, again, just uh, by way of introduction, uh, had you worked at other film festivals prior? So, yeah, I was also the running the programming at the Newport International Film Festival in Newport, Rhode Island. And then when I was a little bit younger, I worked in a smaller capacity at the Boston Jewish Film Festival, the Nantucket Film Festival, doing things like print traffic, which really just makes sure that the films get to where they're supposed to be. This was back when we were actually exhibiting on films. And, so. and did you, and, and so, like, whether it's growing up or in your formative mm -hmm. years, what, what led you, what, gra like, yeah, what, what was the gravitational moment? pull? I, I always loved movies as a kid, um, mm. you know, perhaps I guess a little bit more than most kids, but I really just loved movies. Um, you know, we had HBO, so I watched a lot of movies on that. I grew up at the time when VCRs, I remember when we were one of the first uh, families that got a VCR. How exciting a beta it was. Max? Was a it a Betamax? No, it was not a Betamax. I remember the Betamax. Yeah, I, I did too. Them. No, my friend got the Betamax and we, <laughs> we didn't. But uh, And then also my parents both loved movies. Um, and they, you know, we, I lived in Michigan when I was a little kid, and my parents, my mom, would take me to some Hitchcock films wow. every once in a while. And I remember as seeing a kid. Vert, as a kid, I remember seeing Vertigo. Cause, you know, I mean, there yeah. was nothing that inappropriate in some of these movies. And I remember seeing Vertigo and Rear Window and a couple of these other films, and Vertigo in particular baffled me. But, I but was you know what's so really interesting? I didn't mean to interrupt, but but that's one of the things I think for all, that we all three have in common is that our, our families loved movies, and they also didn't talk down to us as kids. Like, I was allowed to watch very mature. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing uh, Richard Lester's Petulia, you know, because Tony designed it, of course, but when I was six, I was mm -hmm. allowed to watch it, and it's got some very, very ugly scenes in it, and it's very confusing, but, but I loved but it. I, I want to go back to this. Like, so yeah. as a kid, uh, Hitchcock, master of making me feel uneasy mm -hmm. at all times. <laughs> uh -huh. You watch Vertigo, and I agree, I still watch Vertigo and, and try and connect some dots and stuff. Uh, did did it hit you like how was your nervous system for that I mean it was really more of an emotional experience I couldn't follow the plot that well yeah. I mean even to this day I've probably seen Vertigo 10 times there's still it's still a little hard to follow at certain points and I think I'm often someone I'm not a huge plot person I'm really someone who... More about the characters or the emotions? characters are just the feel and the vibe and the aura of the film. And that. that film, Vertigo, from its opening credit sequence to the colors that are used, particularly in the later sequences when she's sort of transforming, right. I, 
I just was so enchanted by it, mesmerized by it, exactly. And that's one of the things I love about movies. I mean, obviously there are great scripts and there are great stories told, but you can always read great books as well. I love movies, how they look and how they sound. What are some of your other, like movies that you can just watch over and over again? Movies I can watch over and over again. um, I mean, there's a a, a long list of those. I, you know, it's sort of a joke around the programming office that my weakness is, we all have weaknesses that we like, is a Maritime Peril movie. A Maritime Peril? Maritime Peril. Wow. Like like Perfect Storm? Like the Perfect Storm. I've watched Perfect Storm like 20 times. So many times. Or Castaway, which, you know, anything like that. By the way, Cast. Away. away, exactly. One actor, right? One actor. Exactly. Cast away. away. Oh, oh, like, oh like, like send the rest of the that. cast yeah. away. <laughs> I'm gonna. Really I'm funny. Tom Hanks. I'm <laughs> gonna do this on my own. Except for Wilson. I don't know where Wilson falls into that. But uh, yeah, those are the types of movies I can watch. I mean, there's other movies that when That's they come so on. Did you, you like uh, no, like uh, Robert Louis Stevenson as a kid? Like, did you, you, you like? Would you drawn to those kind of no, stories? No, this is something that came a bit later in my life, and I don't really know why. I just like Swept survival away. movies. Swept away. I don't know what it is about. I just watched Adrift the other day, which is one with Shailene right. Woodley. And what about Waterworld? Wow. Waterworld maybe is where I draw the line. <laughs> but, uh, well, what about the one where they're... Uh, uh, what's the one where they are the couple... Um, got left the Blue behind. Lagoon? The, uh, oh, no, no, no. Where the they're, yeah, they're in the water. Oh, open well, that's the one. Uh, open what, Water. That's open a water. funny one that you mentioned that because that had its world premiere at the Hamptons International Film Get Festival. Get out of town. Oh, well, there yeah, we go. Yeah, in 2004, I want to say, but when Kinky. my predecessor, Raj Roy, who's now the chief curator of film at MoMA, it was submitted to us blind. You know, when we find the films for the festival... We have films that are just sent to us, and we don't know anything about them, and then we actively pursue films. That one came in as what we would call a blind submission. We didn't know anything about it, and one of our screeners watched it and liked it, and then Raj watched it and liked it, and we had the world premiere. And I want to say 2004. I could be off by year. And it was really, really well received. One of the execs from Lionsgate saw it, and then it ended up going to play at Sundance, and it caused such a stir at Sundance that it was bought by Lionsgate, it made $40 million, so it's sort of in certain <laughs> right. ways it's one that of the is, big success And that is, to me, stories. not a, a success story, but it's almost like that's the myth that I think everybody that makes a movie by the seat of their pants believes can happen. Yes, I think everyone hopes that that can happen. Yeah. And it's funny, I just rewatched on Halloween, I watched Blair Witch Project again, which I hadn't seen since it came right. out. And that was, for many, many years, I think one of, if not the most profitable movie of all time, because it was made Absolutely. for like, I don't know, $20,000. Yeah, $35,000. And then it made a gazillion dollars after launching at a film festival. Yeah, those cases are exceptional. Right. It would have been ruined with like if they had like the Steadicam technology. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think. But, I mean, that, that kind of begs this uh, discussion that Sock was bringing up before you came on, which is about film festivals being a way for a jumping-off point now for new films. I mean, mm-hmm. there are s- – how many are there? I, I just Googled it. 3,000-plus film festivals it, just in, in, in the, the United US. States. So it's become a, a wonderful platform, or but maybe, like you said, like Miss America contest, everyone thinks they're going to win, um, you know, to – but it's a wonderful platform for people to get more movies shown rather than going straight to distribution in theaters, which is almost an Absolutely, impossibility. Absolutely, but now. but I well, I shouldn't say, but I, it, maybe this is something we'll touch on a little bit later uh, in, in more depth. I think that for everybody that makes a movie, you know, there there is money that is spent. There's obviously a lot of emotional time and other time, and I think that for a lot of people, being accepted into a film festival might be the best that that effort will ever get. Right, and. That's not a that's not a loss. That's a win. Except then you have the bottom line stuff that always dances right, in people's right, heads, right. and so it's just perception in some way. Um, I mean, yeah. people yeah. that make movies want audiences to see them, presumably. So, audiences are impassioned, film loving people. So, if you're going to make a movie, and even if it's not going to be a giant success, you want people to see it, and then you want to hear from those people, and you want to engage with them. I have see a question. See what works. Actually. See what doesn't. Yeah. Sorry, we're talking to David Nugent, who's the artistic director of uh, the Hamptons International Film Festival. Was there one that got away? A film that we wanted to show that got away? Yeah, or that you go, oh, damn, why did we not put that film in the festival? Every year there's one or two of those I feel that way about. And, um, yeah, there are, you know, there I mean, are any a that are recognizable to our listeners Absolutely. where you went like, oh, um, shoot. Oh, my gosh. The film, now I'm going to blank on the name. It won the Academy Award, I want to say, for foreign language film. It's by the guy that made Youth a couple of years ago, an Italian filmmaker, and it came to us so late in the game. And it was too late for me to actually oh. see it and 
consider for the festival. The reality is the festival has a, a deadline, just like a publication deadline, right. which you're familiar and with. And how many how many <clears throat> submissions do you get, and how many we get do a few show? thousands of submissions, and we show around sixty five to sixty eight features and around fifty shorts. Right. And, and, but you get thousands of submissions. Yes. That, that and we, how many uh, watchers or whatever? So we have a screening screeners. committee of around. 20 people or so that watch and then the programming team is myself and three other people and we're we're working a lot of one of them joins me all year round working on it and the other two are seasonal and come from other festivals they kind of split their time between two festivals but we are awash in films but yeah there's always some that that get away some that i wanted some that i could have had and then i decided well maybe not and then i Later down the line, I, I regret that decision. Now, last year, I think, Stuart Suna said that I think last year in all eight of the major Oscar categories, all the films that won in those eight categories had been screened yeah, all, at the Hamptons so International Film happy. Festival. Yeah, all the film that won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted, Best Original Screenplay, Actor, Actress, Supporting Actress, Supporting Actress, Documentary. Uh, when you went down the line, all of those films had played at our and festival. When, That's so when amazing. you guys agree to include a film in your festival, do you have to then uh, like contractually ask for exclusivity? I, like how, what's the, I don't, I know different festivals have different philosophies. We don't have a lot of exclusivity of that sort. We prefer to have the film not have screened on the East End prior. Okay. I mean, there are other festivals that for competition, for their competition section will demand a world premiere. In other words, it cannot have screened anywhere ever right. on the planet and Earth. Then, and then some of them say East Coast and premiere. And then some will say East Coast. So for our competition section, we prefer to have the New York premiere. I mean, our competition section is only 10 films, 10 feature-length films. The rest of the festival, there's still 55 other films. So we don't have, we really would prefer it doesn't screen on the East End. Not, right. I and don't think of that as an exclusive thing, but we're trying to bring new works. But, um, no. let, but let me ask you this, because um, when I think about festivals, film festivals, I think there are some festivals that are really marketplaces and people come to actually do the, the, the business that gets done, not in the viewing of films, but mm -hmm. in the hotel suites and all of that stuff. And then I think of some film festivals that are trying, that stand for something. Can, can you kind of give a little mission statement of what yeah. the Hamptons International Film Festival stands for, in your opinion? Yeah, so distinguished to, to discuss what you're talking about in the first part of your question, there are some market festivals, Cannes being the best example of a market festival. Cannes Film Festival, which happens in southern France every May, is a festival that is for the industry only. Re regular filmgoers really can't attend the Cannes Film Festival. Right. In order to go to the main screenings there, you have to be an accredited professional member of the industry. And there's also an enormous market, which is sort of like a trade show that goes at the same time the, the festival goes, where a lot of deals are done, films are bought, films are packaged, and so on and so forth. We're a regional festival, which means, you know, and there are many regional festivals around the country and around the world, and we are here to serve the region that, that we're in here on the east end of Long Island. Originally, it was actually the weekend after Columbus Day, and it was supposed to kind of give a double bump to the that local merchants. That is correct. Merchants. And then in 2008, I don't need to tell you what happened, and, uh, right. and you know, Everything we fell. just started to feel it was just tough, you know, and so we, we would be out here on Columbus Day weekend and see all the people that are just out here, and then it would be the next weekend, which is the film festival, and of course, some people came for the film festival, but there were a lot less just regular people. Right, out so it here. made sense. Some to people had closed up their house and so on and so forth. Indigenous People's Day, also, by <laughs> the way. Indigenous yes. Hamptons People's Day. Right. So we moved the festival a year or two later to be on Columbus Day to take advantage right. of that. Right. But to your earlier question, Alec, about the festival and the mission, and the mission statement, statement, I mean, you know, having spent the last 12 years out here a great deal of time, I can see, particularly with Sag Harbor Cinema having gone away for now, there's not a lot of films out here other than first-run Hollywood films Absolutely. that get exhibited well. Of course, there are some libraries that do some good stuff, and the Parish Art Museum, and Guild Hall, and Bay Street Theater. There are still places that do some good programming. I don't want to diminish that. But in terms of really bringing what people think, what we think are the best films of the year every year out here... That's what we want to do, and we, we do it all year long. Alec Baldwin, who's the co-chairman of the festival, and I have been programming a summer documentary series for 10 years that we do in the summer. We've been hosting winter classic films out here for probably around 10 years and, and as well. And where do you well. show those? We do those at Guildhall. The Summer Docs program is primarily at Guildhall. We've right. done a couple of other screenings at other venues, but it's primarily at Guildhall. Um, and then we do we do a lot of other programming. We started doing a Now Showing program last year, which our executive director, Ann Chasson, really spearheaded, spearheaded, which tries to bring a lot of the 
films that don't get seen here otherwise out to uh, out to the area, and we'll be starting that up. H- again how do you soon. handle? All right, I'm, uh, f- well, forgive me for jumping in, but um, how do you handle having to make that edit? Like how? Like philosophically, you really are kind of an arbiter of what gets or part of the chief conversation. Maybe we'll handle this after the break because I think we've got to take another break. Yeah, I break. think we're going to take a little break and we can talk a little bit about that and then I kind of want to get back into the talking about movies. Yeah, yeah, for in, sure, yeah. for sure. Yes, so we'll be back. Uh, this is Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And you're listening to us here on 88.3 WPPB.org. Is there someone in your life you'd like to honor? Family member, friend, an unsung hero? Nominate them for a Merci Bouquet delivered free from Sag Harbor Florist. Send name and contact information to bonnie at 883wppb.org and listen Friday mornings on the Media Mavens on WPPB. Merci Bouquet, giving thanks to our community. The street glistens like the stars in the sky. The frost christens every car that drives by with ice that I know. Those old black and white movies were true. And we're back. Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And we're talking with the artistic director of uh, the Hamptons International Film Festival, David Nugent. And we're really talking about movies. I mean, so, yeah. we've kind of gone off off. off the subject well, to talk about. There's so the many layers. Yeah, yeah but, of but you know, you started talking about how your, your parents in Michigan really showed you uh, movies, introduced you to them, and, and you love them. So, uh, at what point as a, as a young adult uh, did you say, this is really where I want to put all my time and energy? And were there films that really helped you? That really those touched dots? you. Uh, yeah, so I went to college, and while I was at college, um, I actually was going to study broadcast journalism, uh, and I started it, and I didn't really like it very much. I always loved film. I took a few film classes and was just um, really, really into it. And I had, I had never been involved in a sort of formal study of film like that. And then I also majored in psychology. And when I graduated, I did a dual major. And I thought, oh, I don't know how to make it in film. It seems really overwhelming. I'll just go and become a psychologist. <laughs> so I started pursuing which, which, a career. Which, by the way, is that they say that the two uh, industries that are recession-proof are, are films and psych. Is that right? Well, yeah. really? I covered yeah. my bases pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I spent two years working in a psych lab for uh, Stanford University, Boston University, Harvard, and uh and I just wasn't that into it. And I kept being, I, I just kept missing film and missing film. So then I applied for graduate school and I went to graduate school at Boston University for film studies where all we did is write about films, watch films, talk about films, write about films and so on. And I loved it. Graduated from grad school and I did a lot of internships there at the Harvard Film Archive and the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston and uh, Coolidge Corner Theater. And I really loved it. And uh I just started. That's so passion. Yeah, just yeah. passion. I mean, just loved films and, and wanted but to be around it, them all the that's time. That's the amazing thing is that <clears throat> film inspires. It's like music. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's or, or or a sense of smell. It's almost like there's a a sense of film because you can remember where you were when you saw that movie, what the what the theater smelled like, or who you were with. It's 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 about memory and, and motion and a passion. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that because we, Alec and I were just talking. He's the type of person that remembers lines of movies, which I don't. But I remember where well, he's I saw. He's a screenwriter. Well, I understand. <laughs> I know, but I can't remember who wrote them. That's yeah. like, that's so you pathetic. Did. <laughs> I remember where I saw films. I remember who I saw them with. I remember yeah. all those other things about the experience of the films. I just remember, I mean, going to the opening of Thank God It's Friday. I know, we did. Yeah, we like the, was I, was like the, I think it was Paramount because my mom was working at Paramount then. And, and yeah. the, the woman that was part of the logo just started dancing. Disco, yeah, the Columbia, like, like, Columbia like, pictures. Columbia. I remember, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. that. That was so funny. Yeah, I went to the opening night of that with you. That's so cool. That's awesome. And then you oh. were over... You were at my my apartment in the city when when Tony won the Oscar when my stepfather Tony right, Walton but, won also, the Oscar. Right, and also and again for those that don't know, Bridget and I were prom dates, and prom is that night real? is yeah, that true? That's true, yeah. 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 And, oh my God. But we yeah. knew each other way before yeah. that. We probably uh, known each other since we were like uh, ten. Absolutely, but but prom night included going over to Bridget's apartment to pick her up, and uh, Tony was working on a couple of Broadway musicals. And I walked in, and 
He has all the people working on all the mock-ups for the sets. Right. And and then Jen comes out with like food for everybody. And then Tony's like, hey, let's all watch Citizen Kane. And the screen comes down and the projector comes out. And I remember <laughs> sitting on the floor thinking, I never want to leave here. Yeah. Like this was, and you were we like, come on, we got to go to the prom. We got to go to the prom. I'm like, prom, no, fuck. no, we're with the Citizen Kane. You I want to go dancing. Yeah. I know, it was so funny. But we always showed movies. I mean, that was part of yeah. part of our growing up, just like you, David, was that we were watching film, you know, and it was just so such an important, sorry, we went off on a tangent. No. There. So how many but movies do you watch a year? I you don't. Personally. I watch a lot of movies. I yeah. I don't know the numbers. I mean, I keep a list of and and track of all the films I watch for work, and then I save every movie stub for every movie I go to for fun. Although those they all blend together. Yeah, I just, I just like, like so. What was the last stubs. movie you went to for fun? <laughs> Two nights ago, I went to see Creed 2. Oh, was it uh, good? I yeah, love was, Creed 1. I mean, it wasn't as good as Creed, uh, but it was good. You know, I I hadn't, yeah. It did, was and and uh, did uh, Stallone's character uh, call a cab in that one? Um, well, <laughs> I don't want to do any spoiler yeah, alert. No I, spoiler I, alerts. I don't want to see any spoiler I, I got to go now. <laughs> <laughs> you went to see that for fun? That's so I went cute. to see it for fun partly because... You know, I don't, with a small child as we have, I don't have as much free time as I'd perhaps like. And it was playing at the theater closest to me. So I went right around bedtime with my older kid and I could be back, and you know, not that, too late. And so I just so went great, to see though. that. And so, I mean, with Alec doing like Toy Story and, and Evan Almighty and all these kind of it, entertainment, movies as entertainment, because sometimes we get distracted by the message that's in the movie and it becomes very serious. And Jack Warner, my great uncle, said that movies, I mean, he was, he was, you know, he said the movies were either a one-piss movie or a two-piss movie. Mm. Oh, by the way, I took a piss at the crying game at the worst <laughs> moment, and I came back, and everybody's like, oh, I'm like, what did I miss? <laughs> but, I mean, that was his, like, uh, he said, like, My Fair Lady was a two-piss movie, because oh, it was wow. too long. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not the best way to kind of judge a movie, and he probably had a very weak bladder. But, but you know, the, the movies are about entertainment. At least Absolutely. that's how I was raised. Well, I saw Rocky Four in the theater when it came out in maybe 1985 or so. So, and, uh, you know, it's not the greatest movie of all, but it had a huge impact on me for some reason. It was I just the best my f- Rocky Four movie. I don't, yeah. <laughs> what, what, I don't remember I don't what that was. It's the one where he, play, he fights against um, Ivan Drago, who's the big right, Russian fights guy. Russian, he fights a, a Russian guy. Genius, Dolph, was that it, Dolph Lundgren? Or yeah, who, uh, by the yeah. way, is Swedish. But, um, <laughs> but a genius, a genius germ of an idea. Oh, absolutely. And I had, I had just moved, my family just moved to Maine. We were down in New York for the holidays and we went over Thanksgiving break and I, I'll never forget the screening. I don't know why. I've seen that movie so many times afterwards. Not a great movie, but highly entertaining. And Creed 2, which is why I'm bringing back this, is sort of a loose sequel to that because in Creed 2, um, two of the people who are f- main p- figure parts from um, Rocky Four fight. The two children of the people who have a a big fight in well, that's Rocky that's, that's just really like interesting. reality show. But I love the fact <laughs> that we're talking about Rocky movies because I think that people might might get the impression thinking of the Hamptons as being kind of like this hotbed of intellectualism and no, but whatever you know what? that that film the film festival primarily is about entertainment. Right, and and Absolutely. well, first of all, I, I would just go on record that Rocky, the first Rocky, was a genius movie. Absolutely, and Stallone for all of the uh, ways that people might perceive him wrote that and First Blood, which became Rambo. So as a thinker. He was able to put two ideas up on the screen that were impactful, like for, for me, it right. just as stories, you know. But impactful and entertainment together mm-hmm. is what the Hamptons International Film Festival is about, I think. So w- going back to a theme or a, a, a mission of overall of the films that you bring, whether they're documentaries or whether they're they're you know, going to be enormous hits or whether they're small films or animation or kids movies, what is the overall your, David Nugent, what is your overall mission? I mean, our overall mission is, you know, I work with a really dedicated team and we watch films all year round and try to basically bring what we think are the best films of the year out to the out to the festival. And do you have a certain amount of them that have kind of a, a like an, a Hamptons theme or you try to get people so We have who, a section, you know, a Views from Long Island section, which right. is all films that are either filmed on Long Island or by Long Island artists or that um, that really explore Long Island issues. And we, we, uh, we have that every year and we really love that, as any good regional festival does. You know, I mean, they, they should pay attention to the region that they're from right. and highlight that community in whatever way. So we do that. You know, some of the films that are at our festival will come out later on down the year, down right. the road. Sometimes and some, they come out very quickly. Some like, of them come out very quickly, which is the same model that many film festivals use, such as Cannes and other film festivals. And a lot of them will never play on the east end of Long Island. You know, we had 68 features in our festival this year. I'm just guessing that 20 of those features 
maybe will play the east end of Long Island, so the rest will never right, so be it's a able real to be seen out here. To, so it's a chance them. for audiences. I hear you know I have the you know the good fortune of going to Sundance and and Cannes and Toronto Film Festival, all these festivals to see what are really the best films of the year. And my colleagues and I work hard to bring those films out here so that you know. You guys can, everyone out here can come see those films as well and hear from the, the men and women that make those films. That's the other thing is distinguishes from just being able to see, you know, some like First Man, which we screened this year. You know, we right. had the director come out with that and the screenwriter the and the Neil composer. Armstrong. Yeah, the yeah. Neil Armstrong one, one of the actors. Or, By so, the way, Neil Armstrong is, was actually more integral in the naming of Buzz Lightyear than Buzz Aldrin for me. Really? Because, oh, tell me about that. Well, because we, we were trying to find a name for, for that character. And uh, we were, it was originally, the character was called Lunar Larry, which was just a placeholder name. And there was this moment when I was thinking about Luke Skywalker and Neil Armstrong and how both of those last names had these two words in them that equaled more than the name. And so it was like Armstrong, uh, you know, Skywalker, Armstrong, Skywalker, and then Lightyear kind of pops up because it's like, they're, it's the same formula. Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I never thought about Armstrong, yeah. actually. But, I mean, it's so clear with... Um, Skywalker, mm -hmm. but there right. you go. Yeah, so mm -hmm. maybe that's a good place to take another break and come back to talk about holiday movies. We are during the the kind of the holidays. Take right your now. family to the movies this this Absolutely. fall. Oh yeah, totally. We should all go to the movies, and we'll be back right after this little message. The following is a public service announcement from eighty-eight point three WPPB. The twelfth annual ten by ten art show and sale at Greenport's South Street Gallery will happen on Saturday evening, December eighth, at six p.m. to benefit both the North Fork Environmental Council and WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. All 10 by 10 artwork will be for sale for just $100. For more information, go to Facebook slash the South Street Gallery. So we're back Sundays on the East End. With Alex Sokolow. And Bridget Leroy. And we're talking with uh, the artistic guess, director of yeah. the Hamptons International Film Festival, David Nugent, talking about our passion for film, uh, all three of us, yeah. and um, and the holidays. And movies and holidays go hand in hand. What are some of, David, your memories of the season and going to see movies or movies um, that showed on TV? That every year my dad watches It's a Wonderful Life. Everybody and, does. Uh, Isn't that amazing? And by the way, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, when it came out, which I think was in 38. No, was, it was later, I think. Well, it, it was part of the messaging in It's a Wonderful Life had to do with FDR's push towards um, the, the home loan stuff, mm -hmm. right? So th there was like a whole propaganda thing when that movie actually played that gets lost to time, which is such a great movie. But you're actually like, oh, they're basically saying everybody deserves to have a home and a loan. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, that's a movie that as a younger 19, person... 1946. As a younger wow. person, I was less interested in, you know, when I was really young. It's black and white, and it just wasn't the dynamic film I was That's looking so for. That's so My kids won't watch it because it's black and white. But I, like, are you kidding I me? I mean, I love it now, and my dad and I watch it every year. And then I was 10 years old when A Christmas Story came out, and I went to see it in the theater with my best friend at the time, So, and which is, as you know, a movie about basically a 10-year-old. And, oh, my God, we were just blown away. And That's that was cool. a film that was not a huge hit when it was released. No, right. but also beloved. And, and like, so beloved see, now. When, when I was 12, mm -hmm. my parents screened The Exorcist, oh, which is about a 12-year-old girl. Very different. Not a good holiday <laughs> selection. <laughs> no, no, but not, not really. No, not so no. much. Well, anyway. But so, yeah, Christmas Story had a big oh, effect yeah. on you I then. just, I mean, it was so fun. I, I yeah. love it. And uh, I try to watch it every year as and, well. And in this last uh, festival, mm -hmm. there were several movies that I think will get noticed going forward to the award season. Um, I think Green Book will. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, you know, I know Peter uh, fairly a little bit, and I'm rooting for that movie. But I think it's 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 an example of a movie that both is accessible as a piece of entertainment, but also has a story and a message, uh, uh, and and is a bio uh, or based on actual people. Um, what are other movies that that played this this Be year? That beautiful boy and boy boy race. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we've been lucky to have films in our festival go on to win Best Picture. I think nine years in a row now, wow. which is really exciting. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, but then again, we never really know, and that's sort of we're just out trying to find what we think are the best films, and if they go on to do well, then then we're happy about that. I do think Green Book will will do well at the end of the year. The Favorite, which was another film we really liked, that a was lot. the um, the the. 
period drama, exactly. a period comedy. Which has some amazing acting, I think, will we'll do well this year. And the year. Melissa McCarthy, which and is in... And Can You Ever Forgive Me, the <laughs> Melissa McCarthy film, yeah. Do you know that so that's wonderful. the one about the forger? I, 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 I went, love went, that. I went and saw that. Well. I, I have my own feelings about that film, but yeah, she was wonderful. She was wonderful. Roma, which we actually had the fir- festival's first 4K projected screening. And uh, tell me what that means. Uh, So most of the projectors, digital projectors at most theaters now project in 2K, so 2,000 pixels. And um, Roma was shot in, I think, 65 or 70 millimeter by Alfonso Coron, who also shot it in addition to being the the director of the film and the writer. Um, And Netflix, we we had a a 4K projector brought out. So we put the 2K projector aside for this one screening of, of Roma, which is in black and white, which is extraordinary. And we projected Roma in 4K. It's a really, really wonderful film. What, what is think, it about? I don't. Um, it is loosely based on Alfonso Coran, the Mexican director of Gravity and a number of other Itumama Tambien, um, on his uh, his upbringing and the two of the women, or one woman in particular, who really raises him, who is more like the housekeeper, mm-hmm. but was a very big presence in his life. It's a Netflix film. Um, it will be on Netflix in a couple of weeks. It's actually currently playing theatrical in New York and L.A. and a number of other cities. If people get a chance, I do highly recommend seeing it on the big screen. Um, 70 millimeter, if you can, Dolby Atmos, which is a very <laughs> specific sound design, if you can, as well. It's a wonderful film. I think it will do well at the uh, at the end of the year as well. Yeah. Boy Erased, our closing night film. Ben yeah. is back. Capernaum. We had, I think... We had a lot of really great foreign films this year, from um, Burning to Capernaum. When, when you're when you're programming, do you see trends in in storytelling, or is it every year it's just a potpourri? No, we, we definitely see trends in storytelling. Um, you know, film is a diff, it's a different type of art form than other forms, because as I don't need to tell you guys who are you know have been in part of the film industry for so long, it takes a while to get a film made. You got to get finance. You got to get a cast. You got to shoot it. You got to edit it. You got to market it. So film as a medium can sometimes take a little bit longer to reflect certain parts of the zeitgeist due to that fact. Like, can you ever forgive me? Which we're just talking about, which I love. I did the Q and A. You know, we had one of the main actresses, Dolly Wells, and the producer. They were getting ready to shoot that film about ten years ago, and something I think with Julianne Moore, and something came up, and it fell apart. So they've been working on that film for ten years. So yeah, that film can still reflect parts of of what's going on now, but well, it's a film that took over a decade to get made. That's a, a point that I keep trying to bring up with friends uh, who are feeling a certain sense of despair right now with our current political climate or whatever. Is that out of this kind of great? Uh, pain or or despair or sadness comes this great art. Art doesn't come from a place of comfort. It comes from trying to make a difference. And and, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking of the Orson Welles uh, monologue in um, The Third Man, where he's talking about that. To paraphrase it, he's basically saying that in uh, Switzerland, where they've had peace for 400 years, you get uh, the cuckoo clock and chocolate. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yet in in Italy during the Renaissance, you had all of this horrible thing. So you got the greatest art ever. Exactly. So so we may be just starting to see the results of, of the 2016 Election. Well, I, I would even go before, but I would go before that. I, I actually, for me, culturally, I thought that the um, the Iraq uh, War was a, a pivot culturally. We actually saw uh, both in television shows and in movies the antihero kind of becoming more prominent in the mm-hmm. storytelling, very similar to the, the kind of stories that were told in the '70s that were a, a result of the Vietnam conflict. So. I, I do think that you get the antihero. You get you get you can't get Breaking Bad without the world reflecting a Breaking Bad reality. But also, right with the film festival. I mean, I'm and again going back to Beautiful Boy and Boy Erased. They have both um, a theme. You know, one is about conversion and mm-hmm. and being gay, and the other one is about the opioid crisis, basically. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, ripped from today's headlines, yeah. so to speak. So there, and, and those must have been done right. fairly. But, but David, you use the word zeitgeist, and, and one of the things I think is fascinating for me is I always think of zeitgeist in terms of television. The television is this conversation, the water cooler conversation that people have, and it's very immediate, but it's also a little disposable. Mm-hmm. Whereas I always think features, it's much harder to hit a zeitgeist, mm-hmm. that features are really about creating something that might uh, be valuable 100 years from now in the storytelling. So it's a different kind of cultural conversation. And yet, as you're running a film festival, you have to be part of the zeitgeist. Absolutely. So I don't know if, if I'm making a greater point, but you have... Well, it's been interesting to see, even with this year of documentaries, to see, you know, 
if you want to think about the current political and cultural climate that we're in now, and then you see a few documentaries this year, like the RBG documentary, which, which made over $10 million. Amazing. Or right. Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Mr. Rogers right. documentary. I mean, oh, particularly the Mr. Rogers documentary, certainly not a politically... RBG, you can understand it a little bit. There's a lot of people longing for more people like her. The Mr. Rogers documentary, I think there are a lot of people that feel a certain way right now and feel sort of hopeless, and you see this profile of a, of a person who, as wonderful as Mr. Rogers, and it really gives people yeah. Well, hope. I have to give a shout-out to uh, Dr. <clears throat> Wally Smith, who is the uh, head of the station. Of course, he went to seminary school with Mr. Rogers, oh, wow. and there's all kinds of, in the WPPB uh, offices here. There's lots of Mr. Rogers memorabilia out there. But you also have this thing where, you know, docs are just exploding. Docs are, in many cases, far more interesting than scripted storytelling. A lot of it might have to do with just the budget points and the marketing, whereas uh, I think we're all longing for authenticity. And and the right documentary can hit you in a way where you feel like an RBG or or with Mr. Rogers, you feel like you're getting a insight to your to the life you're living mm-hmm. in a different way. Absolutely. And and I think those are films, I don't think anyone knew that the Mr. Rogers documentary would be as big a hit. And, you know, if the election, the 2016 election, had gone a different direction, I don't think it would have been as big a, a hit. So that's I interesting. So the, the, the real life is dictating art. Yeah. I mean, I think sense. it's about what people are looking for right now. And all, right. They're so, all right. So let me ask you this question. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. But uh, in the political climate we're in right now, mm-hmm. without, without uh, judging it in any way, um, are there films or characters that historically you might look at and get comfort from? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, f- a reason that Green Book is something that's appealing to people right now, too, um, and a reason the Mr. Rogers film was. And I think in, in certain times like this, you do go back and look for people from other films like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington or something right. like that, where you can go back and see dignified, principled people in the political sphere who are doing what they really think are the right thing, because I think there are a lot of people that feel right now that that's, that's not necessarily the case. But well, um, We are going to take a little break, but when we come back, we want to talk about how the film festival is evolving and what you want to continue to bring uh, to the East End. And you are listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And we'll be right back. The following is a public service announcement from 88.3 WPPB. Founded in 2002, Fighting Chance is a free-of-charge cancer counseling and resource center independent from any hospital and funded solely by charitable contributions located in Sag Harbor on Long Island's East End, providing patients and their caregivers free access to a variety of resources and professional counseling. More information at fightingchance.org or 631-725-4646. And we're back, Sundays on the East End, with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sockley. And you're listening to us here on Peconic Public Broadcasting, 88.3 WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. You can listen to us online at 883wppb.org. I'm getting better at that. You're much better than I am, that's I'm for sure. Kidding. I didn't realize that PPB st- stood for Peconic Public Broadcasting. Well, there I you go. We've only been that. looking at this banner for 10 weeks, uh, Sock. I, <laughs> Anyway, well, we're, he- we're here in the studio with David Nugent, the artistic director of the Hamptons International Film Festival, which has just blown up. I mean, I remember when it started, it was not as big. It was, it was small, and, and, um, and right. now so, it's so very have, successful. Do you have a sense of where, where the festival's heading, or um, is that not really something you concern yourself with? Um, well, I mean, where we're heading in general, since I've been here, one of the directions that we've, one of the you know things we've really charted is to try to be a year-round organization and to do more year-round to serve the community. And that's something we're really happy with what we've been able to accomplish. You know, I think we want to continue to do that kind of work. Well, maybe we can talk about, so I, I was, again, invited yep. to be part of the Screenwriting Lab. So let's talk about the programming throughout the year. Yeah, so the Screenwriters Lab is actually pretty much the second biggest thing that we do all year after the festival itself. You know, our organization is called the Hamptons Film Festival, Hamptons International Film Festival, excuse me. But we are a year-round organization. You know, looking at the beginning of the calendar year, as I say, Alec Baldwin and I host classic films in the winter. We're going to do another, some more this year. I think the first one's on February 9th. 
the Screenwriters Lab. So this will be our 19th year where we basically bring up-and-coming writers, writers, and directors and bring them out and then pair them with established writers, writer-directors, or occasionally creative producers and spend a few days over the weekend having those mentors improve the script of, of the, the accepted writers that we bring out. And that's uh, and then we usually do a master class out there and we have uh, networking receptions with other members of the community out here. Just, you know, the Sundance Film Festival's announcement lineup came two days ago and we were happy to see another film in Sundance this year that had been in our lab. And the year before, there had been three projects that were in um, Sundance, all of which ended up going on to win awards, all by female writer-directors, all of which had been in our screenwriter's lab. That's so wonderful. So well, I yeah, I mean, two things pop, pop out as you're saying. One is um, I do recall that, like, several times somebody that – was in the screenwriting lab will actually have a movie that will be at the festival several yeah, years later. Exactly. That's amazing. We had three this year. Well, we had two, th three in the lab or two, two were there in the lab and another one, our opening night film, which was by Sarah Colangelo called The Kindergarten Teacher, which you can see on Netflix now. With Sarah's Maggie Hall, with Maggie yeah. Gyllenhaal. Her previous film uh, had been a project in our festival. So a wonderful in incubation for, for emerging talent. So I think that's something, you know, it's, it's not as visible to the public at large. And then the documentary series that Alec Baldwin and I have been doing for 10 years, Summer Docs. We also do a lot of programs with public schools around here, which is something we're looking to continue to do and to expand. To try to foster the next Absolutely. generation of filmmakers. I, I, I went to the doc that was at Gurney's at nighttime. Oh, yeah. Uh, was that part of the we, documentary yeah, series? Yeah, or? well, it depends. This year or was it the it year was before? The one, this year was a surfing movie. So that one wasn't. So two years ago, on part of the Summer Docs program that Alec and I do, we had the film uh, Take Every Wave, which was about Laird Hamilton. We mm. had Laird Hamilton come out and the film's director, Rory Kennedy. That was part of the program. This past year was just, you know, we just sometimes do one-off screenings. So we did a film called The Momentum Generation. That was it. It was a great film. Uh, great which, film. Exactly. So, you know, we like to just do screenings all year round and, and do events all year round and uh, and try to continue to bring good films to the community out here. Do you see a brick and mortar a building in your future? Well, that's something we've discussed a lot. And uh, that's something that's up to the board of directors, not me. And they, you know, they think about that kind of stuff a lot and have meetings about it. So we'll see. But this time of year, David, you said you um, you get to watch movies for fun, like yeah. going to Creed 2. We're going yes. to we're circling back to yes, Creed 2. Creed 2. <laughs> God, I never thought what other happen. what other movies have you gone to for fun? And, and what what do you think of in terms of like kids movies now that you have a five year old and a little baby? Uh, well, I just showed my daughter Plum Gold Rush the other day, the Charlie Chaplin. That film. was my that's first great. movie. Oh, was it? Yeah. So wow. funny. That's yeah. So cool. And she was, although it's funny. I go back to these things and I didn't watch Gold Rush when I was a kid. Right. I saw it as an adult. But Bugs Bunny and stuff I watched when I was a kid. I'm reminded how many guns and violence there are in these things. And I don't but also, didn't he, didn't he eat the shoe in that one? He eats the shoe, yeah. and that's hilarious, which I actually just read was made out of licorice. But more than that, he's in the little cabin with a guy, and the guy's running around trying to shoot him. Right, but, but, in, but, but in modern times, going back to this, yes. there's a moment where he gets arrested. This character gets arrested and is in jail, and is handed some salt that's actually cocaine, and he takes it and right, leads that. a prison riot. Oh, and wow, yeah. I remember watching that. I don't know if it was a pre-code movie, but watching that and thinking, uh, you know, watching it recently and thinking, um, they're they're making these jokes about drugs that yeah. that it, now there would have to be a cause and effect in the storytelling, Absolutely. and there it was just they would have sheer to be punished. Frivality. Right, Absolutely. exactly. That's so great. But um, so yeah, and then I do watch films for fun now, and uh, because I've got a really young baby, I don't get out to as many as I'd like. But I I go to the Amagansett Library basically every weekend and take out DVDs. Awesome. And then I've got Canopy, and I've got Netflix and Hulu, and right. I'm just I'm soaking up movies for fun because in around March. Or April or March, I cancel all of my subscriptions to everything. <laughs> and then and I, let's I give a only shout out, by the way, to the libraries out here. They have Absolutely. the greatest uh, oh, library yeah. of movies you can take out and watch. Um, and, you know, the video stores have all gone away, but the movies are still out yeah, here. Absolutely. Southampton, the Rogers Memorial Library, yeah. East Hampton and Library, And they have great lending, uh, lending agreements. So, you know, there's a lot of – Amagansett's a great library. It's our local library. We go every weekend. I love it. But they're smaller than, say, the East Hampton one or Southampton or whatever. But if they don't have one in Amagansett, they'll request it from the other one and then they'll That's get so it cool. in the next week and I pick it up so I took out four films this past weekend I had never seen what did you take oh, Patton I had never seen Patton that was and, a great um, and so I took it out and I watched that over the weekend I took out Red Sparrow because I like a, you know oh, an international spy yeah. intrigue movie and I took out 9 to 5 because my wife has never seen 9 to 5 and yet and none of those of took place on a boat no, no yeah I can't only watch maritime <laughs> films but if I could I'd be happy but no I just so yeah. did you like Overboard 
I did like Overboard. There was less <laughs> was peril fun. and more comedy in Overboard. But yeah, I liked Overboard. Yeah. Oh, they remade that this what past year. Yeah, in the Heart of the Sea. In That's the Heart right, of the, the Sea. I, I, that is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, movie, I didn't meh. love the movie personally. Was but, that, uh, wait, that was, that was, was Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Movie. Yeah. I thought it was a very well-made film. It's hard to kind of get something like that thematically on the page yeah. onto the screen. That book gonna, is incredible. Do you think they're going to make a movie? They must be making a movie out of Speck in the Sea. Oh, they are. Our, our well, I mean, the thing fellas. is, I'm fairly, um, one of our locals out here is making it. Um, uh, oh, my God, I just blanked. Rachel Horowitz was producing wow. it. Oh, how great. Um, but I think it had the involvement of Harvey Weinstein, who I think is now no longer, thankfully, involved. But I do think they're going to make that into a movie, and I can't wait to see it. I and know. I'm, but I'm like you. Incredible. I love movies where people are, like, stuck in the middle of oh, the ocean. Absolutely. There's just something about Or I love Northwest Passage, like, uh, lots of cold weather. Because I'm, I'm not – I'm, like, sitting eating Yeah, my but you know what? So, so yeah. I, go, I go and see Jaws, again, as a kid in the Southampton Movie Theater. And even to this day, when I swim in the ocean out here, there's a moment, whether I'm in the ocean for five minutes or over an hour – where I'll think about that shark and get out of the ocean. Really? Alec, I haven't been in the ocean since that movie oh, came yeah. out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You people who are afraid of sharks, I find it very Well, and you know what? But but Peter Benchley and and um, I think even Spielberg, but I know Benchley, uh, came out later in his life, and he, he said he really regretted writing that book because of how it, it misrepresented sharks. Yeah. Well, we talked with April Gornick about that, and yeah. now we're going back to the cinema and yeah. cinema in general. Mm -hmm. So what are uh, some of the movies that, touched you as an adult that really stuck with you and as an adult um wow you know one movie oddly that is i don't think it is the greatest film but i really loved it and sometimes it's about a movie coming along at the right time is the man who wasn't there the coen brothers film oh, with yeah. billy bob thornton you know i was just at a particular point in my life i had just broken up with someone i was trying to figure some things out and this movie actually has nothing to do with that but it's about this uh, very unusual, laconic character who really doesn't say much, but yeah. it's just so mesmerizing. I went to it four times in the theater over the next couple of days, and I just was so blown away by this. Uh, I love that. But movie. again, it, 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 <clears throat> I, what I love is in that anecdote is that you, you're at a very particular moment in your own life, mm -hmm. and then here is a movie that somehow gave you comfort and or distraction and or something Absolutely. that allowed you to kind of cope. And Did that, you have a movie like that, Sock? Well, you know what? I When I was 22 or 23, I broke up with somebody or she broke up with me. And I remember really, you know, feeling all down and blue and going to see Sid and Nancy. Mm. And somehow that movie That's another one. Alex of, Cox. That yeah. got movie. Got me out of my... That's a great movie. You know... That's, and train spotting. Yeah, but you know? all it's so strange because they're so dark, but they're so brilliantly made, I think. I'm sure yeah. there's people out there who aren't, aren't aren't agreeing, but I can watch them over and over. In Fight Club, I can watch a million times. And The Man Who Wasn't There also has an incredible soundtrack by Am Against Its Own Carter Burwell, which oh, is a that. wonderful, wonderful uh, soundtrack. And when that movie came out, I bought the script. I got the movie posters. I got the soundtrack. I just dug myself into the world of this movie. So I, always thought, I always thought it'd be so cool out here if there was a really solid post-production facility. Mm -hmm. where people can actually come and do all their posts out here. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many people that, that are part of the process that, that have a foothold out here. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, you know, they have to go somewhere else to actually finish or make their, their babies. Yeah. And we'll fix it in post. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So inside, insider joke there. So going forward um, this year, what, what do you look forward to in terms of themes of, of the films? What do you For think? For 2019, you mean? Yeah. It's really hard to say, you know, as I say, the Sundance lineup just came out the other day right. and that is really, you know, the, the starting gun for my year in terms of films. So, you know, I'd seen a couple of the films in that lineup, but most I haven't seen. There's a lot of filmmakers I'm not familiar with. That's just one of the things that's so exciting about the job. There are certain elements of my job, like any person's job, that are somewhat familiar and, and not exciting. But then every year there's a whole new crop of films. Yeah that I'm so excited about, and I just love Sundance and going and seeing all these new films and these voices. So what will the themes be? I don't really know. I you mean, know, it seemed to me, like I said this year, that there were certain themes like um, drug addiction, mm -hmm. you know, things that are that are kind of, you know, like I said, ripped from today's headlines. Yeah. And a I lot mean, of LGBT. But Sundance, all right, no, this is just observationally. Observationally, I think Sundance uh, propels individuals more than films just personally. Mm -hmm. And maybe when I lived in LA and I would hear everybody disappear to Sundance for a couple of weeks or whatever, mm -hmm. people would come back with, oh, this person is now somebody that you should know their name. Yeah. Or this person made this film. 
But the films of Sundance, for whatever reason, I could be wrong, don't seem to make that same kind of impact where you're talking about this this track record. It, it, does yeah. it have to do with the time of year, maybe? or I mean, it's it's the first real big significant film festival of the year. But I think what you're getting at is Sundance is, you know, we're talking about these different festivals. You talk about Cannes, which is a market festival. Sundance is a discovery festival. That's okay. what it does. It's not a survey of the best films of the right. year. It is a discovery festival. So, you know, I'm watching Red Sparrow last night, which I'm not claiming is a, is a great film. But its main actress is Jennifer Lawrence, who I first saw at the Sundance Film Festival in Winter's Bone nine years ago or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Winter's Bone is a is an amazing film, but right. what is really memorable from from that experience is Jennifer Lawrence, who just exploded out of there. You know, there's a lot of young actors and actors or directors or whatever who are, are making getting their start yeah. at Sundance Film Festival. So and that leads us back to that. Um, I'm sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you, but that leads us back to film festivals now being a platform, a really wonderful platform for a lot of you know younger people or, or, and new filmmakers to get their their product seen, which Absolutely. is the whole point. Absolutely. I, mean, I saw the Killer Bees doc a mm-hmm. couple of years ago, and, and again, that's two local guys. That yeah, made Ben and Orson Cummings. Yep, right, about uh, the Bridgehampton High School basketball culture mm-hmm. and Coach Johnson. I mean, yep. that's a perfectly unique East End story. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Michael Dweck's um, yep. piece. The Last Race, the last which race. premiered at Sundance last year, yeah. which is great. Cool. Well, and we, we can keep going and going and going. I don't know if there's anything uh, we are leaving on the table at this moment. Um, no, just, you know, that to go to the movies. Go yeah, to the go movies. to the movies. You know, there's a lot of great stuff we can all see at home, and I'm watching stuff from the library and on Netflix and Hulu and everything else. But go to the movies. You know, that's one thing that, that hasn't changed is what an amazing communal experience it is. And if we all love the movies out here on the East End, which I think based on the success of the festival we do, Keep going to the movies. Go see things on the big screen. Buy the popcorn. Tell your friends to go see it. Um, it's something I never want to see go away, and not only because it would put my job in jeopardy, but because <laughs> I really love movies, and I hope everyone goes out to support them. Oh, what a wonderful way to kind of end our conversation at the moment. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Yes, Thank you it's both. been wonderful to have you on, and we uh, look forward to the, seeing the lineup for the Hamptons International Absolutely. Film and Festival. And so everybody out there, be well, stay well this week. Funding for Sundays on the East End is provided in part by CP Complete Construction and Renovation, with additional support from the Independent and from Just Beyond Infinity Googleplex. That you chose, that you chose.